everyone, welcome to episode 27 of Brewer Magazine, the podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of Brewer Magazine, Tyler Montgomery. In this episode, our editor, John Seacott, caught up with Lawrence Pritchard. He's the owner, brewer, and distiller for Flat Rock Brewing and Distilling in Napoleon, Ohio. Napoleon's about 45 minutes miles west of Toledo. According to John, he opened a homebrewer-style system in 2012 and has recently more than doubled in size. In 2016, he went from 100 barrels to over 250 barrels last year with plans for even more in 2018. While these small brewers are uh, close and dear to our heart, we love to hear how they grow and how they make their decisions and where they decide to press forward, um, where they decide to, uh, how they decide to um, entice people into their tap rooms. Uh, Pritchard talks about how he's a one-man band, how he discusses how he started, got past the tap room, got into canning, distribution, and all the craziness that goes along with owning a small brewery. So without further ado, I bring you the interview between our editor, John Seacott, and Lawrence Pritchard, the owner, brewer, and distiller of Flat Rock Brewing and Distilling. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. When we opened in 2012, um, there wasn't a lot of craft beer drinkers there because we were one of the first breweries to open in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't a Father John's or uh, 4KD, it was pretty much us. Um, And we started out focusing on the brew pub as opposed to distribution because we're only making like 20 gallons at a time. Um, So we were selling most of our beer, craft beer, Mm -hmm. in-house in Holgate, Ohio, which is a farming community right outside of Napoleon. Um, so we're talking mostly um, light lager drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really had um, any idea what craft beer was or the kind of hops that we were using or different beer styles. So um, we were kind of opening up just to kind of educate the public a little bit about craft beer in the hopes that they would uh, switch up and try macro or, or micro brewery beer and now smaller brewery beers versus the macros like the Bud Light and Miller Light and Coors Light that everyone sure. else is drinking. Um, and that's kind of where we started, just like really focusing on bringing people to Holgate and it kind of just grew from there. How did that make you a better brewer in the beginning, having to make styles that were clean and, you know, a lot, not a lot of, I guess, I don't want to say not a lot of flavor. I'm sure you wanted to get that flavor in there, right. but being able to make a beer that is going to be palatable to someone that has never drank it. And, it, and that's one of the things that home brewers, you learn when you're home brewing, like the lighter the beer, the really harder it is to get those kind of clean flavors because there's nothing there to hide imperfections in the fermentation process and your cleaning process. Um, when you're making a, a, like a lighter beer like our towpath, the classroom here, the Pilsner, um, one small misstep, the wrong amount of yeast or the wrong hop, it really comes through in the end product versus like an IPA or like a really heavy stout where you can throw a lot of things in and the, the flavors don't get muddled, but there's definitely, there's definitely a dynamic there with the flavors that kind of can hide imperfections in your, your fermentation temperatures and things like that. So it really made us um, focus on um, cleaning, uh, fermentation temperature, the right yeast, the right hops um, from the very beginning. From there, it kind of went on to our other beers like our IPAs and our stouts and our porters. So. Cool. Now, how have you grown over the six years? Well, um, like I said, we started out with a 20-gallon system. It's pretty much my home brew system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were focused on a brew pub kind of uh, business model. 
But from there, we moved to Napoleon, we started to grow, um, and we got more and more people to come into the tap room. We also got a winery license so we could start making meats. So we started growing, but um, um, my wife at the time and I uh, still had the brew pub kind of mentality and really didn't do a lot of distribution. Mm -hmm. um, her and I split up, and so I revamped the brewery and the, the meadery and uh, started focusing more of a balance between the brew pub and distribution. So we went from 20 gallons in 2012 to four barrels at this time per batch. And we do two batches a week, so we're talking eight to nine barrels of production. So it's a kind of a big jump up within the last five years mm -hmm. um, from 20 gallons up, up to the four barrels that we're doing per batch right now. Okay. And you, you talk about going into distribution. I know now you've started to get more into the Toledo area, which is kind of the metro area for you. Um, how has that process gone? Um, is having your name out there for a little bit longer uh, helpful? Or are you still introducing yourself to people? Um, I think I think the biggest thing was um, just getting our name out there because we've been open since 2012, and we got to the point where um, no one knew where Napoleon was, no one knew who Flat Rock was. So really, with our production increases over the last year, we're just now getting into that distribution um, range where people here in, in Northwest Ohio, in this part of Northwest Ohio, get to know who we are and what kind of beer that we have to offer. So it's almost like kind of our grand opening, so to speak, because <laughs> sure. we just started doing the volume um, so that we can send kegs out to to um, Toledo, to the area. Yeah. Talk about the mentality of in-house in tap room, yeah. brew pub. You guys just moved around the corner from your from your previous tap room. Right. Um, you know, t talk about the changes there and, you know, what you're well, hoping to see from it. Well, we got the A1A license because we have our meadery and we have our... Um, we have our distillery license and so what I wanted to do was consolidate everything down under one roof and with the A1A you can do that you can have your meads you can have your distilling um, your distilling products there and your beers so we kind of um, went and kind of consolidated everything down under one roof as opposed to having a winery and having a uh, distillery separate tasting room so now everything's under one uh, one roof okay. um, and it really helps out because there's one bartender there taking care of everything there's one place to pick my products is one place to focus sales tax and things like that um, and I can focus on production more versus uh, versus having two or three different tap rooms and tasting rooms spread out all over Napoleon Got it. Um, talk about you know the staff that you have what, uh, what how many people do you have working right now and um, pretty much myself I do all the um, production distilling winemaking um, mead, mead making and the brewing and I have a couple of bartenders that help out um, and run the chat room on the weekends. That's got to be taxing after a while, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, yeah, are, are you? Is that the next step for you? Working towards trying to get some more people out there, or do you feel like the, you're not spread thin I, yet? I'm, I'm pretty happy where we are right now because with production, especially because we diversify, and it really helps that we have the distillery and we have the meadery and we have the brewery at a manageable level as far as production goes. Um, so I don't have to um, really have an extra person there taking care of taking care of uh, you know cleaning up grain and things like that. So diversifying really helped because then it made it so that I can focus on three different disciplines, but on a smaller scale. So we have multiple revenue streams kind of coming in from different um, from different licenses. 
speaking of the license, how, how much of a process is that to switch things over? I mean, was it just some paperwork or I mean? Yeah, it was, there was some paperwork um, with the TTB, the feds, and with the state too. So um, yeah, it took, um, to move everything from Holgate to town, I would say about six months. Um, the distilling license took about a year, so it took a little bit longer. Um, more paperwork, more bonds, um, more um, background checks and things like that. But we got our distilling license in 2016, okay. but it took an entire year of me just learning how to use the still before we had a chance to actually um, make our first sellable um, pint or 750 milliliter bottle of liquor. There's got to be a ton of creativity going on in the mind of yours when you're getting to go across back and forth. What have been some of the things that you've been really proud of being able to do when you do have this type of freedom and creativity? Well, definitely um, getting our beers into into the uh, Salido market really helps because I have so many ideas for beers that may not be palatable to people that live in my area, uh, especially the heavier styles, the flavored orders, the flavored IPAs. Um, so really, distribution really helps that creativity because I can just come up with a lot of different flavors and come up in a place like Casual Pint and have a new keg pretty much every week, something new that I can offer so people can um, get an idea of what we have to offer at the brew pub and hopefully get them to come out to Napoleon to see what we have to offer in the brew pub. Um, but switching back and forth from the meads and from distilling, I mean, it really makes it so that you never get bored just doing one thing. And, I, and that's something I really appreciate, um, having all these licenses and, and doing different disciplines. You kind of switch gears if you get bored of just brewing. Not that people are going to be bored of brewing, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah. But I can also focus on distilling. But also, um, when you have the distilling and you have a bourbon or you have a malt whiskey, you have a lot of wood products that can go over to your meat making and over to the brewery as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've, we've done actively, um, bringing over barrels and casks and things like that and aging some of our beers and our meats and that. Um, so it does really help kind of switching gears and going back and forth. But there is a synergy there when you have when you diversify um, those uh, disciplines. So. Talk a little bit about distribution. You've probably been doing it a lot more now. Are you a natural salesman? Is this something that comes easy yeah, to you? Um, yeah, it actually does come easy. I, I do like coming out um, because no one knows knew who I was. I mean, we've been around since 2012. No one knows who I, who I, my story, how we started out, who I was, who I looked like. You know, like no one knew me as a brewer at all. So it really took some time to kind of introduce myself to the market and the people. The beer festivals really helped, like the beer and bacon fest. Um, people are like, I didn't, who are you? I'm like, I'm the brewer. And like, oh man, I know Mommy Bay's brewer and I know this brewer, but we didn't know you. Yeah. Um, and that really does help. And um, having places like Casual Pint um, and Swig that will take a chance and grab a keg from you. Um, if, you know, even though you don't have a following, that really helps out a lot because people try your beer and they like it and it helps get into your foot in the door in other places. Um, and that's really important when you self-distribute and, that, and that's what we're doing right now. Is the, do you think the Toledo market is um, pretty well educated and you can go into, say, a place like Swig and Perrysburg, be able to give them a, a stout that you had and know that you have faith that the, they're not going to know how to talk it up? And, yeah, and, and tell that you guys are local and stuff like that. That's obviously important. Yeah, most I would say pretty much every place that we have our beers in right now, um, they know the style and they get a good understanding of what we have to offer. So yeah, I think they do a really good job explaining styles to their customers. Um, mostly because they have other beers on as well, so you know from other breweries that might make a similar style that we do. So they're kind of used to turning those kegs over and having a stout or a porter or mead or um, a bragging and be able to talk it up um, to customers too. So. And how about with uh, 
what type of vessels are, are you in right now? I know you're talking about bottles for uh, liquor, uh, canning. Are you are canning yet? Yeah, we are okay. can. We do have cans, um, and we're doing um, the uh, 12 ounce bottles, and we're doing 750 milliliter bottles as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, we're as far as packaging, we do have a canning machine. It's just a steamer, so it's just one can one can at a time. But we do have our cans on at. Um, Tin can right downtown by the park. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I did. Okay. Yeah. How important is it to be able to cross pollinate yourself that way and be able to get into places that maybe I mean cans obviously is the new thing for craft beer. Right. Being able to bring it into places that you couldn't before. That's important in marketing, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Because we get we go to places that might have a full tap list, and they'll say, "Well, I've got enough. You know, I don't have enough tap space for your kegs." But we can say, "Well, we have packaged beer as well, and you know, we have cans that you can fit into a cooler. Um, you don't have to take a tax." Um, tap space and that really helps again put our foot in the door keep it there and let them try a product maybe get like a 12 pack to see how the customers like it, and then they'll end up taking a keg once there's a spot for our open tap so cool. what's the future hold for you what's um, next I, to be honest um, we are working on revamping the business and making it leaner um, and uh, getting our costs down because the profit margins are razor thin in this business, of course, um, and continue on diversifying. I just think that there's so many breweries around, and, and that's great, but I think that diversification is the key for, for growth. Um, you can go you can go and get a, a larger brewery and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in larger tanks, but of course, there's uh, equilibrium there as far as are you going to focus on 100% distribution? Well, you need these many barrels of production, this much money. Um, so for us, I think I'd rather focus on diversification, growing our liquor brand, um, getting bigger there, and also um, focusing on more of a high end beers and, and the meads as well, um, and continue to go push into this market and then look towards Columbus as well. That's where I'm from, is Columbus, and that's my ultimate goal is to get our products down there cool. um, as well. So.